of God we will carry on this love endures forever we sing Forever, from the rising, from the rising, and from the rising to the setting sun, this love endures forever. And by the grace of God, we will carry on. This love endures forever. We sing praise, sing praise, we sing praise. you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? 100 days of glory. How many of you are enjoying that? 100 days of glory. 100 minutes a week of prayer. 100 minutes a week of reading the word. 100 days of random acts of kindness. And then 100 days of sacrifice of some item that you want to give to God for those 100 days to draw closer to Him. That's what the 100 Days of Glory is all about. You can find it on our app or our website. And the app is G-H-C-O-G. Type that in. You'll see the links to, to um, be a part of that. You can join now if you'd like. Even if you, you weren't the first uh, January, go ahead and join now and become a part of that. Also, membership joining. If you'd like to join or transfer, see myself or Miss Sandra Mickler, who's on the keyboard here this morning. By the end of January, we will be announcing a date in February that we'll... Uh, join people to the church. Also, Junior Talent is May 13th and 14th at Praise Cathedral in Greer, South Carolina. 
We do have a group entering, and our parents and children will meet today in the choir room after service. So just straight through these doors, you run right into the choir room. Uh, Brad is going to be meeting with you guys there this morning. There will also be a practice on January the 16th. Uh, that's next Sunday, and lunch will be provided after the morning service. Again, I'm joining the choir if they're feeding me. I think there's an age limit. What's the age limit? 7 to 12, perfect. So if you're 12 or under and want to be a part of that, you want to meet in the choir room today. Also, uh, all youth going to Shabbat 2022 and their parents will meet next Sunday in the choir room, same room, after service. So if you're in a youth group and want to go to Shabbat, that's where they're meeting. All right. Also on January 30th, I feel like we got a lot going on here. We have family day coming up. That is where our children will be coming into the service. There will be no church church that morning. We're all going to be worshiping corporately together. We've done this in the past. And I really haven't got started back with that. With all that we went through. With all the stuff from last year. But we're starting back. So January 30th will be the fifth Sunday. And we're coming together. J.D. and Hannah are also having a little one. want to remind you of a diaper drop off. And baby book is requested instead of a card. And uh, there's a box out front. Uh, for drop off some of you have already done that thank you for that also uh, i have several thank you notes i want to mention this from the widows on the board if you walk down the hallway here when you go towards that door turn left that's the office hallway and uh, on our board there there's several cards that i have posted and it's from some of our widows in the church that have sent cards thank you notes and so you can go by and look at those if you'd like but uh, because of our widows ministry we were able to send out $100 to each widow for Christmas this year. And so give yourself a hand for that and blessings to them. So thank you for giving to that fund. And um, we, we were able to give, how many was it, Sandra? Was it 19 or so? How many do we have? 16 or 17? Somewhere around there. We, but $100 each we were able to give them. That was because of your giving. That's what that fund is for, is to be able to bless them especially during times like that, or if there's a need that comes up, we've also been able to use it. And so thank you for that. Uh, also, let's uh, remember those that have lost loved ones for my father-in-law, Jeff, and the loss of his sister. Uh, let's continue to pray for Marissa, Melissa Riddle and her family. Also for Bonnie Moody. Uh, she requested special prayer. She's battling with that cancer, and um, treatments haven't been going the best. So let's pray for her that God would touch her. Also request this morning from Miss Ada, her brother-in-law, uh, they're down this, this week with them, and she said that he's sick this morning, and that's why uh, she wasn't able to be here. She's with him, but uh, let's be in prayer for them. All right, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your powerful name, Jesus. We know that this is a name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every demon in hell will tremble. At the name of Jesus, every sickness has to flee. And Father, we pray today in that powerful name that you would do a work in us today. We pray for every request that's been given in, for every person that is sick, for everyone that's lost family. Father, we pray for comfort, healing, emotionally, spiritually, physical healing. We pray for all, mind, soul, and body, and spirit to be touched by your powerful name, Jesus. Today, bless us as we continue to worship you. Anoint the singers, anoint the musicians, anoint me today as I bring the word that you poured into me. Help me to do it justice, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We lift you up, oh God. Hallelujah. Welcome you to have your way, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. 
you and hope is stirring and hearts are yearning for you Lord we long for you cause when we see you we find strength to face the day and in your presence all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna. And you are the God who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. Welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hear the sound of hearts returning to you. We turn to you. In your kingdom, broken lives are made. Lord, you make us too. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Thank you, Lord. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna. You are the God who Worthy of all our praises, it's Hosanna, oh Hosanna, and come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, he is worthy today, church. When we see you, we find strength to face. Thank you, Lord, for tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, we find strength to face today. Thank you, Lord. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. They washed away. Hosanna, and Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. Come have your way in this place, oh God. Have your way. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. Come have my way. 
trustworthy. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We lift you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, O oh God. He is worthy of all our praises. Hallelujah. 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 Lord is my shepherd. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And he goes before me. Defender behind me. I won't fear. Filled with anointing. Thank you, Lord. My cup's overflowing. Thank you, Lord. No weapon can harm me. I won't Stay right here and worship the Lord, church. 
Honor his presence. Honor his presence right now, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift him up, church. Glorify the Lord. He is worthy. There is no one like our God. He is always with us, always guiding, always comforting. We lift you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, O Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. And my victory, and my victory. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. And my victory, and my victory, Lord. Your spirit lives within me. And so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. And my victory, you're my victory, Lord. Your spirit lives within me. And so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. And my victory, and my victory. You're my victory, and my victory. You're my victory, and my victory. You're my victory, you're my victory. You're my victory, Lord. You're my victory, Lord. And my victory, and my victory. My victory, and my victory, you're my victory, you're my victory. We sing hallelujah, Lord, and hallelujah, I am not alone. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. He's my comfort. Spirit lives within me. My name. 
You're my victory. You're my victory. My victory. My victory. My victory. My victory. My victory. We sing hallelujah, Lord.
our hands and give God praise in this house right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I am not alone. We praise you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Today I have a word on my heart for you. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we kind of get programmed into this mindset that I'm um, you know, we, we go to church at 12 o'clock. Anybody ever kind of got, you ever gotten that mindset kind of 12 o'clock's lunch and our mind internally tells us it's time to go? Today, I'm, I'm just, if, if I'm five minutes over, let's ignore that today because I really, I got a word for you today. From pain to a place of praise. That's what I want, want to deal with today, all right? If you're going to receive the word today, could you shout amen? That's good, Sandy. Um, in Genesis chapter 29, there's a story that's told, and I'm not going to get into the logistics of it really deep. For time's sake, we could read the whole chapter, but it's 30-something verses. But it's the story of Jacob. He's working for Laban. He's working to marry the woman he loves named Rachel. He was supposed to work for seven years for Rachel, get her and go about his way. However, he ends up working. Laban um, manipulates it. We'll talk about that. But he works six years for cattle and sheep and oxen. And then he works seven years. Ends up uh, wedding night. Uh, the wrong woman's in the bed through deception. Her name's Leah. That's 13 years. And then he works another seven years. So basically 20 years he worked for this man. And he really only wanted to put in seven years. All right. So, so that's kind of the story that we're coming from just to give you the gist. Now I want to preach to you. There's something in us. It's in our nature. All right? We do not want people to see the dysfunctions or the problems that are in our lives. Anybody with me? We don't want to show them that side of us. We don't want them to see that we have issues. That we have problems. That a matter of fact, there's times that we didn't even do the right thing when we should have. We, we have this sense in us that we want to paint what I will call a picture-perfect life. All right, we want the White House, the picket fence, the perfect kids, 
that makes straight A's in school. Everything is glorious. Me and the husband and wife, the husband and wife, we, we've been married for 30 years and we've never had an argument. We know that's a lie from hell. We know it just as sure as I'm in this pulpit today. We want people to see us in a good light. We want what I call a Facebook fairy tale land. We can control what goes on in Facebook world. You know, they're coming out with the metaverse, whatever that means, where we're going to be able to communicate with people all over the world. It's weird, and it scares me. But I'm not here to preach on that. But we're going to be able to communicate virtually, you know, with, with people. We can go visit them in their houses virtually through, through the metaverse and all this kind of, it, it's, it's crazy stuff. But, but on Facebook and Instagram and social media, we can paint the picture that we want people to see. We create the world that we wish we had. So, in other words, what I'm saying is that we build what we want people to see or we build what we want people to think about us. Every picture that we put up is strategic. We put it up and we pose a certain way. And if the picture doesn't turn out on our good side, we just switch sides. We take about 35 photos, selfies of ourselves. We're like, man, I don't like that one, don't like that one, don't like Until finally we get angry with ourselves and just delete them all, right? But we finally find one shot that we think, man, the mountain view's beautiful. Look at this. Everything's perfect. I believe I'll post that. Because we don't want people to see the ugly side. We want them to see the good side. Every now and then I'll get on, on social media and I'll see a picture of a, of a young lady that's telling a story of pain that she went through and, and showing a picture and there's mascara running everywhere and the tears are rolling down and she's giving God glory for where he brought her from. And, and I kind of like those because it shows me not just the side of that person that they want me to see, but they are showing me a side that they really didn't want to show, but they want to give God glory. For where he has brought them from. So, so understand with me that every picture, every post, we, we plan it. We don't want them to see the dysfunction. But the Bible doesn't disguise dysfunction and problems. As a matter of fact, I have read my Bible through numerous times. Genesis to Revelation. And I have found that God has a record of using people who have a messed up past. And I'm telling you, God has a record of using some dysfunctional people, dysfunctional families that did not have everything together. That's who God is. Why does God do that? So he can show us just how amazing his redemption is for us. Just so he can show us how amazing his love is for us. His grace is for us. So while I'm creating this fairy tale land, I need you to understand God doesn't have to have a perfect environment to bless me. God is not looking for me to be in a perfect picture, perfect environment in order to be blessed by Him. You don't have to live a picture perfect life to be blessed. A matter of fact, let me put it to you this way. I know some people that were raised in what we'll call the picture perfect Christian home, but they turned out to be a bunch of hellions. Some of you are sitting there thinking, God, that's me. When I was a teenager, that's me. They turned out to be hellions. I mean, they, they acted like the world. I mean, they did crazy stuff and went back on God and, and returned to the vomit like a dog. And we thought, man, they were raised in a perfect environment. How in the world could they do this? 
I raised them right. I preached the word to them. I took them to church every time. How does this happen? See, what I'm telling you, even in a picture-perfect world, there's times that bad things can happen. And then I know people that were raised in a godless environment that today they serve God faithfully every Sunday morning. And I know people that have come from a drug abuser's home, but they didn't turn out a junkie. They turned out a preacher. I know some people that came from an alcoholic's home because I was one of them. But guess what? Today I'm in a pulpit too, and I'm preaching to you today about the love and the grace of a God that is greater than I am or you are, and He loves us so much I can't even begin to comprehend how much he loves me I'm here today what I'm telling you is God doesn't need a perfect environment to bless you the situation in the story I'm reading today in Genesis 29 is this that Laban is a control freak OCD is a bad thing to have I'm praying God to help me but there's something in me that I kind of like I like to have my hand on the situation. You know what I'm saying? As long as you got your hand in something, you can kind of tweak it. That's why I don't get on an airplane, because I can't fly. I'm not a pilot. Now, if I were a pilot, and I knew if the baby's going down, I can jump up there and be the Savior and say, move out the way. I took a few classes. Then I'm good. I can put my hand on the situation. But I can't control anything. Well, Laban is an absolute control freak. When I read his story, it makes me not want to be like him. He takes Rachel out of the house. As a matter of fact, it's the night that that Jacob thinks he's getting Rachel. Woo! This is the night that we're going to just make this thing official. He goes into the tent, and when he gets in there, it's dark. Nobody can see. And what Laban has done is controlled the situation. He has manipulated the situation. He has altered the situation. And he said, Rachel, get out there. Well, well, the dad, but tonight, no, 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 no. I'm your father. You obey me. You get out. And he sends the ugly sister. That's right. I said it. Into the tent. Her name is Leah. He is manipulating the situation. See, what I want you to understand, you have to be careful when you try to control situations. You have to be careful when you try to get in the way and manipulate it to turn out the way you want it to turn out. Because, see, when you try to control situations or manipulate situations, you are going to end up with a mess on your hands. There is a reason that God said the steps of a good man and a woman are ordered by the... Lord, and he delights in all his way. Even though we fall, we shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord is upholding us with his right hand as long as we are going down his path. As long as what we talked about last Sunday, that alignment is in place and we're going in the will of God. As long as we're going, it does not mean we will not fall. It does not mean we will not make mistakes. But what it does mean, as long as we are trying to do the will of God, when we do fall, the right hand of God, the powerful arm of God, it represents the arm of strength the arm of authority, the arm of omnipotence. He will reach down and he will pull us back to him. My God, I'm so glad for Jesus today, aren't you? So here we we have to be careful. Don't try to control and manipulate situations. Let the will of God happen. Just let his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You can't control the situation. Quit trying. Give it to Jesus. That's a good word today, but I can't stop there. So in 2022, what are we doing? I'm going to preach today that we are going to get rid of some things. We are going to get rid of pain in our life. 
we are going to get rid of things in our life that have led us to a place of disappointment. We are going to do what I said last Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the year, that we are going to realign ourselves. We have strayed like Adam. We have lost our place, but we are coming to a realignment with God, back to the place that we can go to the garden again in the cool of the day and have communion with Him. We're getting in the right direction. See, I want you to understand that the joy that we have in our soul, how many of you know the joy of the Lord is your strength? Our joy must be attached to our identity in Jesus Christ. Our joy must be attached to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now hear me and hear me good. What is identity? I'm afraid that so often we forget who we really are. We forget our identity. You know one of the saddest things that anybody will ever see is a family member that gets starts getting amnesia and dementia and full-fledged Alzheimer's. But amnesia, of course, is when you, it's early starting, you're starting to kind of, you just forget things, right? It's kind of short-term memory, like you're sitting here and you say something to me and then you walk over here at the door and next thing I know, Scott's telling me the exact same thing and he has this amnesia, he forgets really what, what he just said, he, he just loses it. And see, that's kind of what happens with spiritual amnesia. I'm afraid that so often we lose our identity, we begin to forget who we are. There's nothing sadder. It's sad when, when people don't know who you are, but it's even sadder whenever they don't even really remember who they are. Their identity is gone. They can't remember it. And the person that we used to know, we no longer know it's a different person. It's in the same body. The person's in the same body. But this individual has changed. Amnesia, dementia, whatever has taken over. And what I'm trying to tell us today is I'm afraid that some of us have got a hold of this spiritual amnesia to where we have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten our identity in Jesus Christ. See, I need somebody to understand that if Satan wants anything in your life, he wants you to forget who you are. Because there is power in who you are. Somebody said, well, I'm not much of nothing. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you're a child of God, I'm going to give you a few scriptures. Yet to all who did receive him, to them gave he power to be called the sons and daughters of God. And we know that all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord in him. We have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. You did not choose me. I chose you that you may go and bear fruit and that your fruit may remain. That whatever you ask in the name of the Father... It shall be done. For we know that your old self was crucified with him. You are no longer slaves to sin. So God created mankind in his own image. Male and female created he them. Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I had already appointed you a prophet to the nations. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him that called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ that is living through me. I no longer call you servants. He says, for a servant does not know his master's business, but I have called you Friends, for we are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ, which God prepared good works for us to do in advance. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship 
is not in this earth. It is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior's return. For our citizenship is not here. It is there. My God, somebody ought to say amen. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set not your affection on the things of this earth, but on the things above. No, in all of these things, you are more than a conqueror through Him who loved you and gave Himself for you. I praise you, God. For I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made and that my soul knows well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Don't forget your identity. And Satan wants us to forget our identity, right? I'm going to show you a few verses really quick. See, see, watch it. Your joy is not attached to your pain, lady. Your joy is not attached to your situation, sir. Your joy is not attached to your circumstance. Your joy is not attached to your home that you came in. Or can we call it what we said above? It's not attached to your environment. Your joy is attached to who you are. Your identity in Jesus Christ. So in our story we have this young lady that forgets that she's a daughter too. She's loved too. And I'm going to give you some scriptures from here in this story to help you understand that we're going to get past the place of pain, rejection, disappointments. We're moving forward from that. You have to be careful in your life how you interpret rejection. Has anybody ever been rejected? Has anybody ever went out on a limb and asked somebody on a date and they said no? All right, y'all think too highly of yourself. What that word means, rejection, is refusing to accept or believe someone else. It is others, other people, not, not you. It's other people's disapproval about your ideas. That's rejection. That's when you have an ideology and you share it with them and they reject you. It is a disapproval of your belief system. So if you say, I believe murder's wrong. They believe it's right. What do they do? They do what we do in this culture today. It's called cancel culture. Do you know what cancel culture is in reality? It's a rejection of your beliefs. And if your beliefs don't align with my beliefs, then bless God, I'm canceling you. I'm going to reject your view. My view is the right view. This is what we're dealing with today. It is a rejection of your action. So in other words, if you stand up for something right, they're going to reject you if you don't back down. But you have to be careful how you interpret the rejection. And I was thinking yesterday when I was studying that we allow other people's opinions about us. Are y'all ready for this? I'm going to say it again. We allow other people's opinions about us to bring pain into our lives. Why do we do that? Who cares? Dave Ramsey does a lot of teaching on, on money. And I, I have, as I may have said before, I have the Every Dollar app. And I can look on there. I can tell you every penny I've spent this month, where it went, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just crazy like that. 
But on that app, it's really interesting because you find really quick that when you have a budget, you don't do like the U.S. government. You're supposed to live on a budget. I mean, if you've if, if you got $500, you don't spend $750, $250 on a credit card just because you want to, right? Unless you want to go into debt, right? Am I right? Or am I, or am I right? <laughs> and there's one thing that I like that he said. Somebody called him one there and told me, oh, well, I need a new car. And he thought, why do you want a new car? He said, you're going to drive around. You're trying to impress people in your life that you will never even know. Why are you doing that? And when I thought about that, I kind of thought about this. This is exactly how rejection is. When somebody rejects us or says something negative about us, instead of saying, I'm moving on with my life, it brings pain into our life. And we end up dwelling in a place of pain because of the rejection and the opinions or the disapproval of other people in our life. So when rejection comes, and I tell you, it does hurt. I've been there. I'm not trying that like it doesn't hurt because it does. But when rejection comes, the one thing you can't do, you cannot get bitter. You've got to get better. You cannot say, well, I'm not going on. Well, I'm not good enough. That's exactly what the devil wants. Lose your identity. End up in a land of pain and just live there. And you're going to be hurt the rest of your life. You're going to be a victim the rest of your life. Everybody's opinion of you is going to determine your joy in this life. Can I tell you all something? I learned a long time ago, everybody don't like me. And I know you people sitting here can't believe that. But it's true. I have had people leave me. I have had people tell me, well, you say things in the pulpit sometime and I think it's a little too forward. All right? Sounds good, whatever. What I've learned to do is this. I am who I am. I act like I, I, I asked my wife, we just celebrated 20 years anniversary. Y'all ought to give us a hand clap right there. Hurry anyhow. 20 years, January 5th. Listen to me, folks. I'm telling you, I'm not perfect. And I've got issues. But I've had people tell me, well, I don't like the way you are. But you can ask her. I am who I am. And maybe I'm getting better. As the years go by. Maybe I'm getting sweeter. As the years go by. But I've been reading some research. And it only gets worse for us guys. If you got issues. They just get worse. What I'm telling you is sometimes I understand. That people aren't going to like everything I do. People are not going to agree with everything I say. And I've had people that have walked out on me. Left me. Rejected me. Have said things about me. But do you know what I did? I picked up the pieces. And said I can live a bitter life. I can live in pain. Or I can move on to another place. And that's called a place of praise. And so do you know what I did? I picked up the pieces. I walked away from the situation. I pray God pour sugar in this lemonade and make it sweet. It was bitter but I'm coming out better. What I'm telling you is you've got to understand it's not about what other people think about you that matters. It's about what God thinks about you. And I am way more concerned with what God thinks about me than what they think about me. I am way more concerned about what God thinks about me, yes, than even what you think about me. And you should feel the same way about me. My old best friend used to grab a guitar and sing in hearts when he used to sing the song. It's an old one. And it sounds like it came from the hillbillies. 
But instead, I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. Plain and simple. At the end of the day, you can reject me. See, I understood something a long time ago because Jesus told me, he said, the the world rejected me and they will reject you too. But thank God he went on the Calvary. Thank God he kept on going and you got to do the same thing. All right, let's hurry. Let's go to verse 30. Here we go. Then Jacob also went into Rachel. And he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served Laban still another seven years. I want you to grab that, that part. Are you ready for this? I want you to grab this. Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. Now I want to ask you a question. How would you feel if you were Leah? I mean, really. I mean, you talk about bitterness. You talk about resentment. You talk about anger. The man that you have come up under back then, they worshiped the ground, literally, that that they walked on. They cooked, they cleaned, they did what we used to say women did. They didn't have jobs. Their job was the house. Their job was to take care of their husband, of their children. That, in the Old Testament... That is the way it looked. That is their culture. That is what they did. Some of you wives are going to go home today and tell your husband you're ready to go back to those days. I'm sorry, man. Because my wife works too. But anyhow, all right. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. The feeling of not adding up, right? The feeling of feeling less than her sister Rachel. Or even she felt like a failure. I mean, how could he not love me, right? I know I'm not as pretty as Rachel. And maybe I'm not as talented as Rachel. And maybe Rachel got a trophy and I didn't get a trophy. But I'm still a good person. And I love him. I worship the ground he walks on. I cook him supper. I clean. I take care of him. I do everything that a woman, a wife should do. I am a picture perfect wife. Oh, God have mercy. But see what I want you to understand. The greatest blessing that Leah experienced in my story was cloaked or covered In a cloak, it was disguised, can I say it that way? In a cloak of what I'll call rejection. So in other words, this is what happens. We've got Jacob here that says, I don't want her. I love her more. I don't want her. I'll take her. But we've got God. Hallelujah. That looks down and says, wait a minute. If you won't take her, Jacob, I'll take her. See, I want somebody to understand. Some of you didn't even grab that. But there's a story in the Bible of Hosea and Gomer. She's cheated on him. She's mistreated him. She's done everything wrong. She's getting sold on the slave block. But guess what Hosea did? He went and bid for her and said, I'll take her. And I need to tell somebody that is exactly what Jesus Christ did for me. And what Jesus Christ did for you. When we weren't worth a hill of beans. And the world said they'll amount to nothing. And other people even in your family may have talked down to you but God said I'll take them because I can use them I love them so all of a sudden in the middle of this the greatest thing happens the grace 
and mercy of God never ceases to amaze me because I've got some people that I prayed for at the altar that I have to tell you. In my mind, I'm thinking, my God, do we really want this type in the church? Don't everybody shout at once your Roman message because you've done it too. Do we really want to reach drug abusers? I mean, do we really want to get people that have gotten caught with thefts more times than I can count on my ten fingers in the church of God walking around? I mean, we got instruments in there. I mean, we got some high-cost instruments. Uh, I ain't got no drugs in here. That's a $3,000 keyboard right there. Over $3,000. I mean, we've got stuff. I mean, we've got to protect this stuff. Do we really want to attract that type? But I want to tell you something. I was reading a book the other day, and it said revival is where people are hurting. And that struck my heart. It is not in a picture-perfect environment that revival happens. It is in a messed up, I mean, it is chaotic when God shows up and changes them. So yes, I say I do want to attract that kind. And I do want drunkards to come to Christ and change. I do want people that are bound by drugs and thieves and everything. I want them to come to the house of God and have a real encounter with God. Because I understand that when I don't want to take them. There's a God above that said I died for them and I'll take Leah even if Jacob doesn't love her. Boy, that'll preach. I feel like I could run around the church about ten times and then faint. Woo! The things that dismissed Leah in the eyes of Jacob is the very thing that qualifies her in the eyes of God. Are y'all ready for this? When Jacob looks at her, she's the ugly sister. When Jacob looks at her, she isn't as attractive. Her eyes don't pierce and make his heart melt like Rachel's do. Oh, God. But all of a sudden, we see that it connects with the heart of God. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report, and the whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, are y'all ready for this? There is no beauty in him. No wonder he said, I'll take her. He understands. There is no beauty in him that we should desire him. Woo! He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it was our face from him. Oh my God, have mercy. I feel like Jacob had a Sanford moment when he woke up the next morning. Oh my God, what's happened? No, not you. God said, I'm the same way. You hid as it were your face from. He was despised and we did not esteem him. We didn't think anything of him. But surely he has borne our griefs. And he has carried our sorrows. Yet we didn't see him stricken and smitten of God. My Lord have mercy. Verse 4. 
I've already done verse 4. Let's move on. Go to verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, my God Almighty, we are healed. So the very ugliness that, 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 that just caused Jacob to reject her is the very thing that made God be drawn to her because he understood how she felt. You cannot allow the rejection of other people to be linked to your joy. It was the Lord, folks. When you thought you were rejected, God took that very situation just like Leah. And he says, I have my eyes on you. I have always had my eyes on you. And I know that in the end, you are a person that is going to bring glory to my name. You're going to come to a place from pain to praise. When you have moments of discouragement, you will remember and remind yourself it was the Lord. It is the Lord in you that has begun a good work. And if He began a good work in you, He will also finish it. Two more points and I'm going to close. I want to show you first off the blessing of pain. Leah is hurt. Wouldn't you be? Come on, ladies. I mean, can I get a nod? I mean, wouldn't y'all be hurt? I mean, seriously. So maybe you can feel a little empathy for this lady at this moment. But there's something about God that is attracted to broken people. There is something about God that is attracted to our pain. There is something about God that when we hurt, He starts hurting. Are y'all ready for this? There is something about this God that I serve. That when I have a contrite spirit and an humble heart, he said, I cannot and I will not refuse you. Because when he sees my brokenness, God Almighty. I preached a sermon a while back about the blessing of brokenness. It was probably over a year ago, but I talked about pain and how it can be a blessing in our lives. I did a whole sermon on this point that I'm making. But it's, it's late and the disciples are getting ready to send people home. A matter of fact, the, the crowds are thronging in. And everybody's saying, man, we just want to hear Jesus. We just want to see Jesus. We just want to talk about Jesus. We want, we want to hear Jesus preaching. And the disciples say, man, y'all need to get back home. The master's tired. The master's this. The master's that. He needs a little me time. Could y'all just go on home? But when Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. Woo! God, I feel like preaching today, my Lord. He was moved with the compassion like we cannot even understand. And the Bible said that he saw them like wounded sheep without a shepherd. And he said, let them come and have a seat. And all of a sudden, a group of people that are in pain, a group of people that are despondent, a group of people that probably feel like giving up, that day a miracle happened, around 25,000 are sitting on the ground. He takes two, low, or two fish and five loaves of bread, and he begins to say a blessing, and revival comes to a place of pain. He begins to break it, and before you know it, everybody has ate. They've taken up 12 basket loads. They've got leftover for the next day. I mean, there's people carrying out carry-out bags like we do at church. Homecomings. 
Take some fish with you, some bread. And they're like, we're tired of it. We've ate till we can't eat it anymore. Thank you, Jesus. The point is, they may have came in pain, but they left in praise. And I'm telling somebody today, that is exactly what God is wanting to do in your life. I don't care the pain that you have had. God is wanting to bring you to a better place. And then lastly, in closing, going to the piano, I'm closing, Sandra, I promise, is the blessing to produce. Look at verse 31. When the Lord, are y'all ready for this? My eyes on you, Leah. You ready? When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. This is powerful. Something is about to be Y'all ready for this? But Rachel was barren. The woman he wanted so bad was barren. But Leah, the woman that has been rejected, the woman that has been unloved, the woman that has been left in a tent and crying because of her husband that just won't give her even a, a flash of the eye. He won't even look twice at her. But the Lord saw that she was unloved. And he says, you are about to produce something. The moment people say no to you, I need to declare over you in 2022 that God is going to open up your spiritual womb. He's going to fill you with things from heaven, with things from above. When people say you can't, God's going to say, I don't care that they reject you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say yes. When you go to the bank and the banker says no, God's going to say something's about to be birthed. The money's on the way. When you go to the doctor and he says no, there's nothing I can do. God's going to say I'm the greatest doctor and position this world has ever known. Something's about to be produced in you. Oh my God, help us Jesus today. But if God does bless you, don't use your blessing to try to impress other people. If God does bless you, I want you to think about Leah. In our scripture, Leah has a baby. Rachel figures out, and, and, and let me just go ahead and tell you, Rachel later on had the promised child, all right? Let me just go ahead and tell you. It didn't stay closed forever. God blessed her too. But I think God wanted us to strategically see this verse for hurting people, for people that feel rejected. I feel like God was wanting us to see this, that there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven that can open the way. Now, according to this verse, Leah could have taken the blessing of God, the production God had given her, and she could have taunted her sister, right? I got a baby now and you don't. I don't care if Jacob loves you, right? Nowhere in the Bible do we see that. Nowhere do we see that. That wasn't Leah's heart. All she wanted was to be loved. That's it. That's all she wanted. So let me ask you something. How do you steward the open womb? When God starts blessing you, right? When miracles start happening. You know, I was reading something the other day. I was reading a book, and I just love this book. It's called There's a Miracle in Your House, and I don't want to talk about it too much because I may end up preaching the thing. Seriously, like I really may preach that whole book to y'all. But he was talking about how their city, and he's in Phoenix, Arizona, a lot more um, dense population, of course, than Six Miles guy. But we still have issues, and we have needs that need to be met here as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Just not on such a bigger scale. 
But he'd say, remember, he had somebody to say, man, I've got a burden for the jail, man, the jail ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm aching for the jail ministry. He said, I was in a little church meeting one night, and he told him, he said, well, good. I now appoint you head over the jail ministry. All right? Somebody else said, man, I'm going to tell you, there's some girls out there that, 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 that don't know what to do. You know, that, that they don't have a mother, don't have a father. All right? They need some direction in their life. Some of them are living homeless on the streets. They just need a mother in their life. They need somebody to put them under their wing. To which he said, well, I'm putting you over the young, young girl ministry. All right? Younger. Had another guy that wanted a street ministry. He, he liked bikes. I'm talking about motorcycles, bikes. And he said, I want to, you know, there's a lot of motorcyclists that we could probably win to the church. To which he said he was a little scared of it. He didn't know if he wanted that group coming in there or not. You know, hell's angels. But he said, I appoint you over the, the motorcycle ministry. Do you understand what was happening? And he said what had happened is right there in the house. The, oh, God Almighty. You know, when you get pregnant, you can hide it for so long. And some of you do good, right? Do great. But after a while, it's going to show there's something inside of you wanting to come out. Woo! And I'm telling you, spiritually speaking, I would to God that God would put something inside of some of us right here that after a while we couldn't hide it any longer. And we'd say, preacher, it's been inside of me for a while, but this thing's getting so big. God, I feel it. Woo, I feel it today, folks. I mean, how many of you see a woman that she go up in there 40 weeks pregnant and the doctor said, baby, it's time. Woo, yeah, let's go. And she's like, wait a minute, doc. I want to keep it another week. Every woman I've ever known, because I've had one that's had to, when that water breaks, even before that water breaks, when they wobbling around like this and they feel like it's a heavy weight in front of them and they're tired of it, and they're like, you know what? I'm ready to have this baby and I'm ready to have it now. How would the God in our spirit, that God would birth a ministry, that God would birth a burden in us for lost people, a burden for hurting people, a burden for people that are living in a place of pain, that it would be birthed. And after a while, we couldn't keep it in any longer. We're like, this thing's got to be born. It's got to be produced. God has put something in my womb that's got to come out. So what is your motive for producing encounters with God? So when God does show up, is it self-praise? Huh? Is it personal gain? Some people will use it as vengeance on their rejectors. Those that talked about them. I'm going to get you back, right? That's not what God wants you to do with these encounters. Let me show you Genesis chapter 29, 31. I'm closing with this one. Here we go. Let's go, Shabby. Verse 31. When the Lord saw Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Verse 32. Leah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Reuben. It gives you the meaning of every name. The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, see, the Lord's looked on my affliction. That's what it means. But look at this. Look at the next word. She says after baby number one. She says, now, therefore, she says, my husband, he's going to love me now. I had him a baby. Watch. Okay. Then she conceived again. Somebody say two. There we go. She bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. He's given me this son also. Woo, praise God. And she called his name Jacob. 34. She conceived again. And bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three.
three. Well, I say three. Y'all ready? Three. Three sons. Therefore, she called his name Levi. Hold it right here for just a minute. I want you to understand something about this lady. Three open wounds. All right? For the wrong reason. Every time she has it, she is still living in her pain. She is still living in rejection. She is still thinking about Jacob and what he thinks about her. Jacob's got to approve me. I feel this, uh, this despondency, this disappointment, this rejection, this pain. I'm tired of it. I've had three kids. And this man don't love me no more. I don't feel like today than he did before I had any. Are you ready for this? Verse 35. Woo, God Almighty. And she conceived again. Number four. And bore a son. And what did she say? Now. I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And she said, I ain't bearing no more children for that man. Three times. For the wrong reason. But finally she got to a place that she understood it was the Lord. It may not be Jacob that loves me. But she finally understood there's an all-seeing eye that has not rejected me. That has not kept from looking at me. He loves me. He wants me. He claims me as his own. And so the fourth time she threw up those hands. And she started praising. Let's stand. So she's standing here saying, you know what? I got to look back at where I was. And I got to look where I am now. The last time I was coming from a place of pain. Baby number one. Not only did it hurt me to have this baby. But it hurt me emotionally. Because of this unloving baby too. I'm still coming from a place of pain. Number three, I'm still thinking about Jacob. I'm still coming from a place of pain. But baby number four, I'm going to forget about Jacob. And I'm not going to think about where I've been. I'm going to think about where I'm going. And I need to tell somebody today, if you're still living in pain, it is time for you to quit thinking about where you were. Quit reflecting on who you were. It is time for you to come from a place of pain into a place that you birthed something. And lift your hands and say, God is good all the time. God is good. I'm going to praise Him through the pain. So today I say to you, God has not forgotten you. He's still got His eye on you. And I came to tell you today, it is not God's will for you to live in that rejection anymore. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If somebody wants to pray, I want you to come right now. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, just come on to the altar if you feel to. If you feel God speaking, just come on. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not living here anymore. I'm moving to another place. Hallelujah.